Feels so good. Out here in Mountain, it's a real good morning. I bet these birds gobble probably right. close to a hundred times. Tater rocking season, boys. All right, everybody, welcome to the Strut South podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Today, we've got a really awesome episode with Emily Shad. Um, before we get in, before I talk about that, we'll do house cleaning stuff. Um, go to YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram. Um, we're still pretty low on the videos right now on YouTube and that's our fault, but it's also kind of the deer's fault, but I mean, it's just, it's been a really tough season, especially for me. Uh, the deer season has been kind of rough, but I mean, you're going to have those, but it's really getting good now. The weather is actually starting to get right. Um, a lot of buck sign is starting to show up. We're starting to get a pretty good bit of footage to where we can start making some videos. So you guys go check out YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and also for the podcast, please leave a rating and a review and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy the episodes. Um, and if you do that, it helps us out, helps everybody else out, and it helps you out. Um, you can subscribe and it allows you to get notified every time a new episode comes out. Um, it also helps people find the podcast easier when you leave those ratings and reviews. Um, so if you guys do that, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, so now let's get into the episode. We talked to Emily. She is, uh, she's just a big buck killer and, um, uh, she hunts up in Ohio and she, she does it right. I mean, she hunts hard, uh, she does a lot of her stuff on her own, and um, we, in this episode, we kind of talk about, you know, can't we, of course, we talk about the female side of hunting, you know, kind of what's the state of the female hunting industry, but um, we don't really get too deep into it, uh, because the way I see it, like, uh, I think most females, you know, they just want to be hunters, and there, you know, some folks may think, well, there's kind of a, a stigma to when somebody sees, I guess the huntress type, you know, it's more of a grip and grin thing, but, um, there's a lot of female hunters out there that are super legit and, um, super worthy of being called a hunter. And, um, I think it's just, to me, like a hunter is a hunt, like females they don't really care so much about being a female hunter. They just want to be a hunter and, uh, they just want to be fit in with the rest of us. Um, with that said, 
anytime I see a female in the hunting industry, I think it's awesome. Um, I think we need more females hunting. I think right now, I think this may be off a little, but I think it's somewhere around maybe only 10% of license sold in the country are females and 90% is male, I think. Um, so it would be really awesome if, if that number, that 10%, we could make that go up. But, um, but if, other than that, we don't really hit on too much about the female side of it. Uh, we do talk a lot about, you know, hunting strategies, kind of how she hunts and, you know, what she sees up there where she hunts. And, uh, we, it's, it's just a really, really good episode. So, um, hope you guys enjoy. All right, everybody, we're back. We've got Emily Shad on the line with us. How you doing, Emily? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Um, starting to get, get, it's getting good here. I'm ready to, ready for the weekend because it's supposed to get colder. So I'm ready to, ready to start hunting a little bit better, better weather. Yeah, it's a little bit warm here in the beginning of the week, but yeah, we got a big um, rain moving in kind of Wednesday night and Thursday through Friday, and then it's really going to cool things off. So should be really starting to get good here at the end of the week. Yeah, I've, I've noticed um, here in the last, I would say maybe last week or so, it's, I, I won't say buck activity, but buck sign has increased a lot there's a lot of rubs and scrapes and um yeah and i think it's uh i think it's because we've had a couple of a couple of days where it's gotten pretty cool oh yeah and, for uh, sure but which i mean that's about what it is up there right now right it's pretty much time now isn't it yeah within really here the last um really the last week i finally had um three mature bucks show and I really have not had anything at all all summer I usually don't get much in velvet so just in the last week three mature bucks have showed and um they're really starting to hit my mock scrapes that I made on top of making new scrapes and rubs and um so they're really really starting to move around here now awesome well before we uh dive any deeper talking hunting we're um we're going to do rapid fire Q and a. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I do this on every episode and it's more or less, um, really, really super random questions. Um, most of the time they have nothing to do with hunting at all. And, uh, more or less to kind of help the listener maybe get to know who they're, who they're listening to. Cool. Sounds great. <clears throat> um, all right, here we go. What is your, what is the color of your toothbrush? It is white. Okay. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Hmm. That's a tough one. Hmm. You know, I'm not really a hundred percent sure on what animal that I would be. It it is a pretty deep question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of which animal that I envy, you know, more on their skills. I tell you what, 
this might kind of sound crazy, but from my experience earlier this year with a turkey, I tell you what, I think I would like to be a turkey because the toughness and the smartness of his creatures is unreal. So we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I, I've always said if I could be an animal, I'd be a turkey as well. But the only bad thing about being a turkey is you're going to get shot. <laughs> you're going something. Something is always looking to eat you. Oh yeah, yep, no doubt. <laughs> from the time from the time you're an egg from until until you until you die of old age, you're yep. you always have something looking to kill you. <laughs> you are a hundred percent right there. <laughs> um, but but I would be I would want to be a turkey, only if I could know what I know now. Yeah, and still be a turkey. <laughs> exactly yeah exactly <laughs> um all right if you won the lottery what's the first thing you would buy well that is pretty easy because i think about this all the time if i won the lottery the first thing <laughs> that i would buy is a ton of hunting land <laughs> yeah i think i think everybody listening that's probably that's probably what their answer would be because let me tell you <laughs> it is very hard to come by nowadays so that would definitely be my first purchase Mm, yeah mine too what is your favorite pet's name um socks which is a cat <laughs> awesome we have a we, we've uh we've done podcasts with a good friend of ours before uh his name's lewis backless he actually hunts he hunts deer off of a horse oh and, wow uh, like stalks him on the horse and and shoots him from the horse and mm-hmm. uh, his deer's name is Socks so that's kind of that's kind of cool. Huh? Yeah. <clears throat> um, favorite meal for breakfast? Meal for breakfast? I eat cereal every morning. All right. <clears throat> I ask the breakfast one every time because <laughs> you can never have a bad breakfast. That's right. Right. All right. Well, we'll get into uh, talking some hunting, and um, we're really glad you came on, and I guess we'll go ahead and get this out of the way, and then we'll get into deer hunting, or, or hunting talk in general. Um, I was, I've was i been wanting to have a female hunter on, and like I was telling you, they're, it's, it's really not that easy to find. I mean, I know there's a lot of female hunters out there, but... It's not as not as easy to find as you would think to get somebody on, but um, I wanted to ask, um, what do you think is the state of the female hunter today in the industry, uh, in your opinion? Well, to be a hundred percent honest, um, from what I have really noticed being a part of the hunting industry um, within the last couple of years is I think um, there, like you said, there are a lot of females in the hunting industry, a lot of females that hunt, but there are also a lot of females that kind of is sort of like a huntress. So um, they don't really have uh, quite the knowledge and experience that some females do, I guess. And, some of those, you know, females and stuff, you know, with things that they've posted and do and everything like that have unfortunately gave um, a lot of people kind of a bad opinion um, or a bad look at 
females in the hunting hunting industry. They don't really think that females are serious and they're real and they're true and they really know, you know, what they're doing. So everybody just kind of starts to assume that, you know, every female is just out there, you know, to show off a model and camo when that's, you know, not true. You know, for me, being in the hunting, hunting industry, I try to be as real as possible, as true as possible, you know, work as hard as possible, you know, do everything on my own um, and try not to, you know, have help and try not to be one of those people that go out there and model in the camo. You know, I want to show people what I really do to succeed and, you know, what all the steps that I you know, take and be real, show the real side of everything is really what I try to do. Yeah. I I think that's awesome. And that's kind of one thing that I think of, you know, I I think about is especially like, you know, and there may be like, I don't want this to sound, I guess, I guess feminist or, whatever but i mean but because it's on both sides there's there's male hunters that don't know what they're doing there's god knows there's plenty of them out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh and that but there's and there's also female hunters that probably don't know what they're doing but i don't think you know like you said you know for the pretty much i mean they're they're all just like you you know they put in the work they work hard yeah and you know they they have a lot of success and I don't think um I think most I mean I guess I mean you could you could tell me if I'm wrong but I think that females would rather just be called hunters instead of being labeled as a like a huntress or a female hunter exactly yeah you know in my opinion I just you know I just want to be like the men not be considered you know anything any different because I do everything that the men do in the way of you know prepping and going out there and you know hunting bow hunting everything by myself so I just like to just be considered you know a bow hunter you know just like the males are just like you said um and you know just I like to show the positive outlook in females in the hunting industry as well um you know and to show to females that you know if they set their mind to it and they want to do everything on their own, and they want to learn how to do everything that, you know, it is possible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and actually, you know, I don't know, this might, this might be a little bit too deep of a thought, but I would, I would think it may be easier. I'm not saying it's easier, but I think, in a way, females could possibly be better hunters than men because I don't know. Like, I think it's like uh, I can't remember. I heard somewhere, um, especially patience. I think I think most of the time <laughs> females probably have a lot more patience than men do. Yeah, um, yeah, you're definitely probably right there. Yeah, and. Uh, I can't remember where I heard it at, but there was, <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast with, uh, with some, some doctor or, uh, psychologist or something. And 
they were talking about that and it was they were talking about how um female like back like way back in the day like before we were like a established civilization like females were very um like they could be very good at stalking and um they were quieter Mm -hmm. and i don't know i can't remember where i heard of that but it's just one thing i was thinking yeah you definitely have a you know a point there i think females probably do have a little more patience i mean yeah sometimes you know i tend to you know like everybody else get frustrated and lose patience but you know in order to have success you just gotta try to keep chugging along and um I think the only thing that makes bow hunting especially for females harder than men is the fact of the scent control mainly you know having the hair and makeup and stuff like that and (laughs) you know you go you go to work and you gotta look professional and you know, smell, smell nice. And then you come home and you want to go to the tree stand. You got to completely strip down of, you know, everything and take a scent shower (laughs) and try to get all your scent off. So really, I think that's the hardest part that females have when it comes to bow hunting is trying to get rid of all the scent and perfume smell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess scent, like as far as scent goes, I mean, females could probably, you know, they got the perfume and stuff, but men were most of the time men, get a bad rep for you know not being clean so that could be just as bad as smelling good so true yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but speaking of uh you're speaking of patience i know you were telling me about a deer that you've been after um and you actually had an opportunity at him this evening yeah not Uh, once but twice (laughs) mm, so so yeah tell us about that so um this particular deer, um, I had him on camera last year as well. Um, last year was my first time actually hunting this particular property. Um, and the deer in this particular property seemed to always, the mature bucks anyway, show up at the end of October. So I was kind of going off of information that I kind of collected from last year. And this particular deer showed up the end of October last year. Um, And he left in December, and I never saw the deer again until two weeks ago. Um, And he showed up for the first time since December on trail camera, finally. Um, And he'd been coming in pretty regularly after dark, Um, obviously never in the daylight. He's super old. He was a giant last year. He's a giant this year. Um, Beautiful, symmetrical, giant, heavy 10-point. so, and I noticed checking the cameras the last couple of weeks, especially this past week, that he had been coming in right at dark. Um, the one trail camera picture, actually, you could barely see a little bit of daylight left in the trees, kind of in the horizon. So, it was, he's that, was that close to daylight. And everywhere else, I wasn't having a buck consistent, you know, coming in even after dark at all. So, I kind of focused my time on this particular property. Um, last night I hunted the stand and about a hundred yards away down the hill through the saplings, I could see a rack moving up and down like he was sniffing the ground and I knew it was big, but I didn't know what deer it was. I couldn't see the body and then it just disappeared. 
never did see the deer that evening. Um, so tonight I was like, well, you know, I checked my other cameras, still nothing consistent, went back. Um, and it was good. Oh goodness. I'd say it was probably maybe five 30. I mean, way before dark. Um, I had a doe fawn come through. She bedded down to the right. I ended up having, um, two year and a half year old bucks come in making scrapes, rubs. They were trying to fight with each other and they were chasing around the doe fawn and going back and forth. And then next thing you know, here comes a doe up over the hillside in front of me. Um, and she's kind of just standing there in the middle. And next thing you know, all I could see was this ginormous heavy rack coming up over the hill. And I knew exactly what deer it was. Um, so he was coming right at me. The doe, he was following that doe, which I'm really surprised because normally this time of year, just your smaller bucks are chasing around. But he was pretty set on following that doe. Wherever she went, he was right behind her. If she ran, he ran. If she turned, he turned, which was kind of strange for this early, really. Um, so she ended up coming, circling around up to my left and, and came down the trail. Per so perfectly broadside, walked right in front of me right into the right and started feeding there um, 15 yards away. And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to do the same thing, but crepes, this deer is so old and he's so smart that he just, it's just like, they just know what to do. If somebody's in a stand, it's just like, they know, no, he's never been in there in the daylight before. So he's never seen my stand. He's never looked at me in the tree before anything like that. And, he would not come up through and follow her. He went down and around through the saplings and came straight up at me. You know, I knew coming straight up at me, I know exactly what he's going to do because he does the same thing on the trail camera every night. And he comes straight up and he stays straight up and he'll never, he never turns broadside. So I was ready, but I wasn't going to draw back on him because I knew if I drew back, I wasn't going to be able to get a good broadside shot and I would either have to hold until he left or either let down when he's 15 yards away and then he busts me. So I ended up not drawing back, which was the best thing that I could have done. Um, and then the doe ended up going back out to my left and he whirled around real fast to go after her, drew back, but he went straight back down to the saplings. He would not come broadside. He will not do it. No matter what, he will not come down that trail in front of me. So once he got out so far, I had to let down. He chased her clear out around the ridge, a um, couple hundred yards away, till he couldn't see him anymore. Here I'm thinking the evening's done. Um, well, I was wrong. I was texting some people, telling them about it. Next thing you know, here comes a small buck hauling it back towards me. I'm like, oh, crap. So I hurried up and put my phone away and grabbed my bow again. And here he come back for the second time following this doe and, she came right up to the bank behind my tree stand, which I knew was going to be a bad deal because if she stayed there, I'd never be able to draw back without her busting me. And he did the same exact thing again. He went way down in front of me, circled up, and came right straight in at me again. Same exact place, same exact scenario. Still couldn't draw, couldn't do anything because he would. I knew he wasn't going to turn broadside. He ended up, the doe was behind me up on the bank so he kept looking up at her so then he started looking up at me and kept eyeballing me and eyeballing her and I'm not moving a muscle but 
you know, so he starts kind of picking me out a little bit there. And I think he was getting a little bit nervous, but not too bad. So then he turned again and went back the same way. I drew back for the second time and she ended up seeing me draw back and she took off running. But thankfully he had no idea, you know, what had happened. He just thought that she was running. So he kind of trotted on down, still couldn't get a shot at him. And then he ended up following her on out down over the hill. Um, so then I just hurried up and packed up and got out before anything else showed up <laughs> at that point. But, oh, man, I couldn't believe, you know, this deer is, you know, probably upper 150s, the 160 caliber and 15 yards twice and just couldn't do anything. You know, it's just mm. your sitting duck. <laughs> it was unreal. I'm still shaking just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, man, yeah, it's not a good feeling to have a... <sighs> 160 inch deer that close and not be able to shoot no it's awful but you know i'm glad i didn't draw i'm glad i you know didn't attempt to do something because i guarantee he would have busted me because he was facing me you know with his head on the ground and i guarantee he would have saw me draw and so it was best that i did what i did but it still about kills me though just thinking about it <laughs> yeah yeah well the good thing is I guess it, it, it allows you to hunt him again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm just hoping if that doe comes back in, that since she, you know, saw me draw, that she doesn't try to bust me and pick me out of that tree every time now, which is the only thing I'm concerned about. But um, hopefully not. Yeah. Maybe she'll, maybe he'll be, uh, he'll be harassing her just enough where she may, she may forget about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping. Or either he'll just, you know, come in on his own, you know, checking a scrape. Like I said, he, he made some scrapes down right in front of me. Um, you know, maybe he'll just come in not with the doe next time or with a different doe or something. You never know. Yeah. Now, do now do you do you only hunt in Ohio or? Yeah. Yep. For whitetails. Yep. Private. Okay. On private um, property. Yep. See that's, I think, with with Ohio, not just Ohio, but all those states, all those midwestern states, like Kentucky and Illinois and Iowa and Kansas. I think, um, so I I think down here, like where I'm at, it's it's really really hard to see bucks actually working scrapes. I mean, they do, but I don't know if it's just here or if it's just in general. I think, I mean, normal. of course, they're going to do most of the stuff at night, but yeah, I mean, here, I think it's, you get really, really lucky if you can see a buck hitting the scrape or coming to check scrapes in the daylight. And, you know, I've never... This is the first, for some, this is the first year that I've seen the most scrapes. I've never saw any more scrapes than I have this year. And scrapes being close to my stands, which note, I did make a few mock scrapes, which I've never really done before. So it's kind of my first time doing that. And I don't know if that's kind of drawn them in and they've created new scrapes. Plus within the last week, they've opened up scrapes that I've created so I don't know if that's kind of helped things, but in this particular stand, I didn't do any mock scrapes at, but it seems like whenever 
the bucks come in, even the smaller bucks. They don't do anything with the scrapes unless there's another buck next to them. And it's like they start, they try to show off. Yeah. You know, the, the small, the one small buck never did anything until the other one came in. And then he started to tear up trees and make scrapes. So, and when he came in, the big one came in, the other two small bucks were there. So, I think that he was just kind of showing off a little bit and, you know, to them is kind of what I'm thinking. Because I've never saw, you know, as many times I've been out, I've never, you know, seen a buck make a scrape either until tonight, be honest. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, the scrape, the scrape ordeal, man, it, it, it just really, it really confuses me because I, I remember, I think it was two two seasons ago we we had a piece of private property it was about 400 acres and it's it's pretty much all planted pines so the whole entire property is like super super thick so it made it really hard to sit here because the pretty much the whole property was bedding i'd say 70 percent of it was bedding oh wow and um and that's kind of the biggest, that's one of the biggest problems, you know, hunting like here in the South. I mean, it, it, it can be and it can't be because it just depends on the property. I mean, you got some properties that are like nothing but hardwoods. Uh, you got some property that's nothing but, you know, open pasture. and it's, it's pretty diverse, but if you get a property that's nothing but thick, it's, it makes it really tough to see the deer because... Plus, if there's a little bit of food, like say there's, you know, you got oak trees and you got mass crop dropping, most of the time they don't have to go very far, maybe 100 yards from their bed to get some acorns, and then they go right back to bed. Yeah, yeah. So, but I remember we, <clears throat> there was a, there was a road, it was basically a four-wheeler trail, like a road bed, and it stretched across this property for, I'd, I mean, at least you know a thousand yards and it just you know kind of it just kind of weaved through all those pines and uh, i remember me and my brother were you know we were kind of hunt hunting and scouting at the same time and um we probably seen we probably saw we saw well over a hundred scrapes and, oh wow uh, within within about you know 400 yards yeah and we were just we were just like dumbfounded that there were so <laughs> many scrapes but yet we were seeing no bucks like huh. we would hunt we would hunt and we would never see a buck if we did it was always you know like a scrub buck or you know a small buck or something yeah it was um it was unreal it was almost like literally there was a scrape every 30 yards That's walking crazy. down that roadbed Wow. Most scrapes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It seemed to be really weird. With it. It's like, you know, I've been seeing a bunch of scrapes too, but like you said, you never, when you're in the tree stand, you never see, you know, any bucks hitting them or, you know, you never really do see any, you know, as big as the scrapes are or as how many of them are, you know, you never do have any of the bucks come in or anything like that. And, you know, even with cameras up, it seems like, I have a um, acre food plot, and I have a camera in the food plot, um, and it seems like they're all coming through the food plot and stuff, but they're never coming in and around 
the stand or where that camera is, and it's only, you know, you know, 50, 60 yards between cameras and stuff there, and they just seem to be kind of going around and into the food plot, but then not coming in through the other area. So they're, they're there, but then, you know, they're not there. So I don't know. Hmm. Now, do you guys have, do you ever have any problem with, um, bucks showing up like year after year? Like not showing up year after year? Well, well, yeah, like not showing up. Um, yeah, there are, it's kind of weird because it seems like, um, I've had a couple big ones, um, one in particular that he didn't show up until, which is really strange, January during a snowstorm a couple years ago. I remember getting the first picture of him on camera and he was a huge deer. Um, and then he seemed like he was in there every day all the way till he shed his antlers. And I'm thinking, oh man, you know, he's going to be in here, you know, the next year because he shed here. He's comfortable here. He's in here every day. Never saw the deer again. Never did. It seems like some of them, they show up, and then they just disappear. You never see them again. Or some of them are just there all the time, year after year. And others, like this particular one I had come in tonight, he was there. He disappeared in December, never showed up again until the end of October. So, I don't know. Some of them them seem to be where they they keep coming in, and others just seem to be where they just disappear. And it's kind of, you kind of wonder... Where did they go or what happened to them or, you know, did somebody poach one or, you know, all those things running through your mind because it's just like, how did they just disappear? Yeah. Now, and, well, I mean, I think that, of course, that has to do with the size of your property, but. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the size of the property you're on? Well, um, I have several different stand locations and what's kind of crazy is they're, extremely little small tracts of land like the one side of the road I think is 36 38 acres um the other side is just there's just a little five acre chunk of woods that I hunt in there um and then the place that I'm on tonight is a farm but three quarters of it um is pasture with cattle in it um and there's really not much woods that you can hunt in so yeah. I consider it pretty small, you know, too. And then my other spot, it's a big, you know, 200 plus acres in property, but it's hard to get into because it's so thick and such crazy terrain that it's hard to even hunt it. Yeah. So I really don't, you know, have any place that I hunt that is a big property. It's just, it's just little, little chunks, which, you know, does make it really difficult too oh yeah i know i know the struggle there we i've got that's pretty much the way it is here i mean if you're not if you're not in a lease somewhere and you know most of the time you get in a lease it's going to be 400 acres oh yeah anyway, it could be yep. anywhere from you know 2000 1500 acres but most places especially around here if you're if you're hunting private just somebody's property most of the time it's not going to be very big yeah um but i i I asked that because 
I have a problem with that, like really bad. Like I, it's it's very very rare that I see like the same buck in consecutive years, um, and I don't know. And it's kind of odd, like you say, you know, you see pictures of them, and you get a bunch of daylight pictures, which means should mean that his bed is somewhere close, which means that's probably his home. Yeah, exactly. And, and they say, you know, a buck can, you know, the older he gets, his home range shrinks. If, so if that's the case, then that means he should stay there. But, yeah. But they also can shift their home range too. But Oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, the thing about kind of like how I am is all of my stand locations and camera locations are all like within – like a mile less than a mile within a three-quarter mile so it's kind of like I've got them all like in a loop so wherever they're going they're going outside of that loop completely elsewhere which where I'm located is up from the Muskingum River so and it seems like a lot of the bucks go down especially in the summer I don't get summer pictures like at all um in the way of any decent bucks um because most of the time if around here if you're located anywhere near the muskingum river the bucks head down towards the river because that's where all the farmers have the soybeans the alfalfa fields so they concentrate down there and a lot of them a lot of them don't leave most of the time that's why I'm patient and I stay patient at the end of October because most of the time those bucks will start coming up and getting onto my cameras towards the end of October because they leave, you know, those bottom fields down by the river and they move up because I have a lot of does up here. So they come up here to where the does are. Um, and so far, every buck has showed up besides one. So whether or not that he may still show up, I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. But they've all, they've all came up from the river and have made their appearance, so. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I, I, um, I've had some bucks, which I've, I've got my main spot that I hunt. It's, it's only like 25, maybe 30 acres. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I had, last season I had, bunch of bucks i mean i had probably four or five bucks that were like i saw them every day i got pictures of them every day and like last season which there were none of them for me none of them were a shooter um but i didn't get a picture of a doe on my cameras until i think the first week of november oh wow I mean, it was just bucks every single day. And then every time I hunted, all I saw was bucks. Huh. And, um, but this year, it's almost the complete opposite. It's like I I get pictures of probably, if I had to guess, there's probably five or six different does that are like there every day. Mm-hmm. And then two bucks Hmm. so it's it's like the complete opposite and 
I was hoping, like last year, I, I had this one buck. I called him drop time, cause, but he had like maybe a, maybe an inch where he was trying to start a drop time. Yeah. And he was like a seven or eight pointer, but um, he wasn't big at all, but he, I, I could tell he had potential. And I I was going to shoot it. I almost shot him last year, and then I was like, no, nah, I'm going to let him go. And I was hoping he was going to show up this year, and I don't think he's going to show up because last year – when he showed up, it was like middle of September, and here it is, almost November, and he still hasn't showed. So I don't think he's gonna come. Well, but, um, yeah, you do. I mean, sometimes you never know <clears throat> about them. Like I said, that one huge buck that I had show up a couple years ago, he showed himself in January for the first time, which is really odd. So it seems like I don't know. It seems like sometimes after the gun seasons and everything, I always have a new buck show up and then he'll stay all the way to when he sheds his antlers. Yeah. So it's kind of weird how they, how they can show up that late. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the really the reasoning is on that. Yeah. Well, I know this place, my, my property throughout the years, we've hunted it for years and years and we've always had like one giant come through there. But he only comes through just once and mm-hmm. then never to be seen again. And uh, speaking of that, like last year, I had one buck come in. It was actually crazy, like the timing. You know, they say, I don't know if you've heard of the idea that, you know, deer will do the same thing on the same day, you know, the next year or thereabout, you know. Yep, and, that's uh, actually kind of what I was following this year. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, this <laughs> – this buck, he um, he was a big seven-pointer. Um, he was probably, if I had to guess, he's probably 18 inches wide, um, maybe pushing 20 inches wide. Mm. And he was big, big seven-pointer. And, um, well, big four seven-pointer, I should say. And uh, I, got pic- I, I got a picture of him one night on October the 30th last season well three days ago well no actually yesterday october 27th that deer got shot about a mile and a half through the woods on a property um that i know i know the guy that hunts there and he shot the deer and i saw him i saw him you know post it and whatever so i asked him i said man is that i said did you see that deer last year and he said yeah i said I said, I think this is the same deer. And, I mean, it's spitting 110%, no doubt, it's the same deer. Yeah, they can, I don't know, they can just be, you know, kind of different. One year, they'll just, they'll be just there all the time. And then the next year, they're just hardly there at all. It's just kind of like, sometimes the older they get, they seem like they kind of, you know, change their their home range or where they want to stay. It seems like the older they get, they kind of move around and then, um, kind of establish a new a new area but then there are some that will just stay there year after year after year but that doesn't seem to happen very often and to keep a deer alive for that many years still yeah yeah that's i think that's the most of the time i think that might be the number one reason why you don't see them show up another year but yep yep um, it's because they didn't make it <laughs> yeah um but you were talking about you know you were kind of following that that idea of deer doing the same thing so 
I guess talk a little about well, you know what? How do you like go about? Like, say, if you're trying to find a a certain buck, or you know, how do you go about getting out there and hunting and looking for that buck? So the the last few years, I've kind of which I keep all of my trail camera pictures of all the biggest bucks, you know, any time that they've been in. Um, so the last couple years, which normally I take vacation, um, the first week in November and that's it, you know, for some rut activity. But this year I did it a little bit different. I took the last week of October off here, plus the first week of November. Um, the reason why I did that is by keeping, you know, all these trail camera pictures that have them all sorted out by months and everything. But I've noticed the last few years that I get the most daylight um, buck activity on the cameras the last week in October. Um, and then last year, I remember the week before my vacation, which would have been like this week here last year, um, is when all my hit list bucks I either saw them in person, but I couldn't, I couldn't hunt or they were on the camera in daylight. Um, and then once November rolled around, then that was like the end of daylight for them, um, on cameras until, you know, later on, like in late season. So, you know, I kind of followed what I've kind of noticed the last few years and so far it has worked, um, like this particular buck that I'm after here he showed up the end of October so I planned on him maybe showing up the end of October this year and he did the same with another buck that showed up he started showing up the end of October and he just showed up this past week so I'm kind of which it my plan kind of worked out from what you know happened tonight um but it seems like where they are and I know sometimes that it doesn't work, but it seems like so far for me, where they were the year before during a time, they seem to so far be on time in the same area again as they were the year before. And I'm sure that is not the case for everybody. Um, but so far, by me kind of following that, I've noticed that it is the same and it has worked so far. So, like I said, it just depends. Some people might not you know, have deer that do that. But so far, that's what they're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. And like on my property, I've noticed over the years, like maybe not, uh, not a particular buck, but I noticed that usually by the 1st of October, I've always had a new buck show up or, you know, either, either right at the end of September or within the first week or so of October, I'll mm -hmm. always get maybe at least one or two new bucks. And um, this year, like, that hasn't been the case. Um, because, like, because here, which, when when does Ohio season open? Uh, for archery this year, it was the 28th of September. Okay. Because ours is, like, just, okay, ours is right before y'all's then. Ours opens, like, I think it's always the second weekend of September. Um, mm -hmm. But, and and that's like, that's what I've been trying to figure out though is like this year and still, still even now, like it's basically almost November and 
I still haven't seen the new buck show up. So still holding out hope that one will, but who knows? Yeah, they definitely, um, you know, they still could, you know, move in because like I said, here in the last week, they're just, some of them are just starting to move in for the first time. So, um, I figure the more it goes along here, um, closer to rut, especially with all the does and stuff around that, you know, new bucks or more new bucks are going to keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, um, you actually shot a buck, um, and you, you named him Flyer 10. Yes. And, uh. He's going to be the uh, the poster boy, I guess you could say, for this episode. Um, so kind of give, give us a brief rundown about him. So I'll, um, you know, put four years all in the really short time. <laughs> um, so I killed him last um, November. Um, actually, the week, week or two weeks after, the week after my vacation. Um, season um here is when it started is when I was able to get him with my bow um but I first got pictures of him in 2015 um you know he was a two-year-old then it was just a uh just a plain Jane eight point he wasn't anything special you know he stuck around all year was able to get a shed off of him um the next year which would have been 2016 um he wasn't as regular um, he showed up and that's when he actually obtained his flyer, um, that you'll see off the G2 there, um, in the photo. 2016 is when he, you know, started growing that, um, he kept that flyer off that same G2 for three years in a row, all the way up till I killed him. Um, but 2016, he was probably about 140 inches, maybe a little bit more, um, really gorgeous deer. And he was fairly regular. Uh, once December rolled around, actually gun season, he completely disappeared and I never saw him again. So I was just assuming that he had gotten killed. Um, then in 2017, when I got him on camera for the first time, I was in Idaho. I came back from Idaho in the end of August, I think when I checked the camera, I, he was near the whole week that I was gone, um, in Idaho in August in velvet. And I knew right then it was him because the same deer, the same flyer off the G2, but he was like twice the size. He was, um, to be exact, I got the shed one, one side off of him in 2017 and a guy down the road found the other side with the flyer on it. And he was like 160 right on the mark, um, in 2017, but you know, I was kind of had my mindset on him that year. And I mean, he was in there every single day, but he kept going back and forth. Um, some, at some point in time, he would, he would stay focused on the one side of the road where I hunt, but then he would switch. And for a couple of weeks, he would be over on the other side of the road on my camera over there where I hunt. So he just like, he was <laughs> not, he wasn't consistent. I mean, he would be on a camera every night somewhere. Right. I mean, he was, he never missed a night on camera from the time that I got, got him on camera to pretty much the time they shed his antlers. Um, but you never know which side of the road he was going to be on. Um, I had lots of good bit of daylight pictures of him, 
you know, early October, November, every day during late season. Um, so moving on to 2018, um, the year I harvested him last year, he um, showed up for the first time. Well, actually, I saw him behind my house in the field for the first time in July, I do believe. Um, and I knew it was him just by the layout of his rack, even though he was several hundred yards away. Um, and then I ended up getting him on camera on the one side of the road, the end of July knew it was him because he had the same flyer. Um, just the flyer was, I don't know, he must've injured it in velvet or early velvet or something. Cause it was like bent downwards instead of coming out. Um, so I got a couple pictures of him on the one side of the road in July Never saw the deer again until, I can't quite remember when it was, um, early October, I believe. Um, I started getting pictures of him on the other side of the road, and then that's where he stayed consistent. Um, and I'm trying to see, he was in there about every, every night on camera. He hardly ever missed a night. Was in the stand the one night. Um, had him in daylight behind me, um, out in the food plot mid October, I do believe it's the first time I saw him in person in daylight there. Um, he had no interest in coming in and around for me to get a shot. Still got him on camera pretty much every night, all the way up till, um, the week before my vacation. And like I said, that was the week that I got all the daylight mature buck activity um and i had gotten him on camera like the third and the fourth in the daylight there but i couldn't hunt so the next week during my vacation the first day of my vacation um i actually had a ton of ton of does in and around me small buck um and he ended up coming in from behind me across the food plot which Every time I got him on camera, it didn't look like he was ever coming that way. But he kind of came in from him behind me and worked his way around in front of the camera. So it was kind of deceiving on where he was coming from. Um, but once I seen him that night in the food plot and then the night that, you know, he came in my first day of vacation, then I realized, you know, where he was coming from. Um, but needless to say, I wasn't, I wasn't ready um, and I couldn't get up and ready when all the does were around me. So I pretty much just had to sit there and watch him at 18 yards broadside and I couldn't do anything about it. Um, so he ended up mm. leaving. Um, and it was unfortunate because getting down out of the stand, you know, does were all around me in the pitch black and deer were busting me out and everything else. I was freaking out that, you know, he was around there and got spooked and wouldn't come back. Well, crazy thing was he never showed back up until two weeks later. He would never even came on the camera at night. So, you know, I'm panicking that I spooked him. He's never going to come back or, you know, somebody else may have gotten him in those two weeks because he never missed a night. Um, so two weeks later, when I went out the night that I got him, actually, um, never seen the deer for two weeks on camera at all. And he came, he ended up coming in um, another buck kind of, that I had in front of me, a big whitey, ended up challenging him down along the creek. 
And I knew it was him because he had a real deep grunt and there was no other big mature bucks in that area. Um, and I could see him limping because he actually had like a broken, broken knee or something was messed up with his, um, with his leg. He lost a ton of weight. He was wore down. He could hardly walk. Um, he couldn't put any weight on his leg at all. And he came hopping up over the hill. Um, I drew back on him, was ready. Um, long story short, you know, my rest, um, ended up breaking when I drew back (laughs) of, of all things that could possibly happen. And so in my actual arrow, because of my rest, like I was able to, to, I can't even explain. It was the weirdest thing that happened. Like my arrow fell off my rest, but it fell off onto the back of my hand. So I had a rage broadhead on the back of my hand. Mm. Um, and I was at full draw and I couldn't let up because I would have had a broadhead through my hand. So I was trying to shake and flip my arrow back up on to my bow and, he was watching me. I was making so much commotion. He took off and he ended up somehow miraculously stopping it 30 yards on the dot. He was extremely hard quartering away. Um, and I ended up getting my arrow back up on. But even though things weren't, my rest wasn't up properly. I don't know. People are going to think I'm crazy when they hear this, but something just told me to shoot. And I put my 30 yard pin on him. And I shot, and crazy enough, I was perfect up and down, but I was nowhere near perfect left or right. Mm. Um, I ended up hitting the deer clear back in the flank area, which the only thing that saved me was he was such a hard quartering away that it went up through and still got what I needed to get, but, you know, wasn't able to find the deer until the next afternoon. Um, But luckily, ended up having the tracking dog come in, was able to find the deer, so it was just, it was a crazy story, nights of no sleep and, you know, that much history with a deer on, you know, hunting just a little small patch of acres, you know, here and there and being able to get a couple years of sheds off of him. And, you know, it was just crazy. That I was able to put that many years finally to rest, you know, with that deer and finally get my hands on him was unreal. Um, unfortunately, he broke his brow tine off in early October. Um, but he was 158 with, uh, with the broken brow time, um, even at that, but yeah, he was just, he was incredible. He's by far my favorite deer and I'll never have another deer like him. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. That's an awesome story. It, it's, it's really, it's really cool to be able to follow one and, and hunt for one for that long and, uh, to be able to, to be able to get to take him. It, um, it's almost bittersweet. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's just, it's just unreal, you know, to, to just think that he was able to make it that long and you know, you were able to, to see him for that many years and watch him grow. And, you know, it's just, it's unreal to just finally, you know, put him to rest and finally have your story complete. And so he's definitely a deer. I'll definitely never forget. And I'll probably never, ever have you know that many years of history with a deer ever again i hate to say but you know with being on just little small properties you know it'd be it'd be really hard to to keep a deer for four years like that again yeah i bet it um like we were saying earlier you know it's it's 
for one thing is you got to have him there, and then the next thing is you got to hope he comes back every year. Yep, yep, for sure. Yep. Um, well, we're uh, I guess we're coming up on time here. Um, but I wanted to touch on one more thing. I know you're um, you're with um, working class bow hunter. And, yep. Uh, yep. Working class hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so what? Um, what's the uh, what's the front on that? You guys got anything? Anything going on this season? Well, um, you know, with working class hunters, or it's just, I think there's about fourteen or fifteen of us. Um, you know, we're just a hard, hard working group of guys, um, guys and gals. You know, out there working every day, and then trying to hunt on hunt on the side and be as real and authentic as possible. Um, I know a few of the guys, a few of the guys have already gotten some bucks on the ground. Um, you know, good footage of all them, so um, should be able to have a good um good session with some video footage of some bucks there on carbon tv um hoping all of us will be able to get you know get a buck down on the ground and get some good footage of it um but you know self-filming most of us self-film so you know super hard to self-film plus kill a mature buck at the same time i mean cripes <laughs> i fell i fell apart and couldn't get <laughs> couldn't yeah. even get a shot off on this deer night let alone anything else so it just there's just so many factors i mean it's hard enough to get a mature buck coming in and then to be able to get a shot off on the deer and draw back plus film i mean it's complicated as heck <laughs> oh yeah yeah we we we've run through the same troubles yep it um it definitely definitely make it tough and i know heck i was talking to my dad tonight and he's like oh if you would have had my crossbow because he used to shoot compound but you know he's got a bad <laughs> he's got a bad back he's almost 70 now and so he shoots a crossbow he's like if you would have had his crossbow you could have killed that deer i said yeah i'm sure i probably could have but it just it takes a challenge out of it and you know for being 27 i just don't feel like i should be shooting a crossbow at my age <laughs> so i just i just stay you know stick with it and just you know keep challenging myself yeah so hopefully hopefully that big old boy will come back in in the next two weeks here that i still have off and man and i'll seal the deal i just got to figure out some other way to getting the quit coming in straight at me and coming in a different angle or something <laughs> yeah hope Hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll be able to see him on uh, Carver TV soon. Oh, yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's good stuff, Emily. I'm really glad you came on here, and uh, it was a really good episode. I think uh, I think people are going to enjoy that. Hey, well, you know, thanks for letting me be a part of it. I truly enjoyed it. <laughs> hopefully, with some of the things that I was talking about and you know, about what has worked for me and stuff might have, you know, might be able to help some others. You know, like I said, every area is different, but you never know. Some strategies work for other people in different areas and they have the same, same sort of strategy. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 